The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I'm Joe Galena. And as always, I'm joined by my man, Scott Chu. How's it going there, Scott? I'm doing great. I uh, just, you know, just got the word that this Thursday they're announcing the uh, the award, the uh, Fantasy Sports Writers Association Awards for Best Baseball Podcast this Thursday on uh, SXM Radio Satellite. Uh, so I'm pumped because that, that could be us. I mean, probably not, right? Yeah. But, but hey, I get to hear them say out the name of our podcast somewhere yeah, besides yeah. our podcast. I think they would at least mention that we were nominated or finalists, right? Yeah, even they'll like read the win. names, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah, even when you're exactly. in the Oscars and you lose, you still are on TV. <laughs> right. Well, maybe they'll uh, do it video style and they could pan on uh, your face to get your reaction. Yeah, and I could wear this uh, this sweater that the pattern was called City Bus. Mm. And it's because it looks like that old, like '80s, '90s abstract shape art that w- that like lined every city bus and like public transit vehicle for mm. decades. I like that one. You could also wear the uh, the dinosaur one that you. Uh, I like that one as oh, well. I got half a dozen of those. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, just to give uh, our listeners a, a reference point, we're recording this on President's Day, Monday, February twenty first. We're starting to get to that point uh, where we're going to start. Uh, draft season is really going to open up. You're in the middle of a draft. You just made a, a pick right before we started the show. Uh, tomorrow on February 22nd, uh, Raz Ball's Raz Slam starts, and I'll be drafting in that. And it's a points-based league, best ball format. So that that's, should be real interesting. So we're getting to that point. I know we don't have an agreement but uh, I'm still keeping my fingers crossed that baseball season is going to start on time. I'm just, it's more hope, I guess. But come on, please. I mean, they made it work in 2020. And mm-hmm. they they got a season going. And I, I obviously, I hope we don't have another 60-game season or something like that. But it's hard for me to imagine baseball not being played if they, if they were able to play it during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I've said it a couple of times, at least on this podcast, with – Football and NBA being so popular, I think it's just crucial and critical for them to come to an agreement and start the season on time. And uh, hopefully they will. So uh, this week, we're going to continue our positional breakdowns. We're going to be breaking down the fantasy baseball third base position. 
and as we've been doing with all of our positional breakdowns, we've been discussing both Scott's rankings and the draft strategy behind those rankings. So uh, third base, Scott, widely acknowledged as a position without a lot of depth when it comes to fantasy. Definitely can't sleep on the position. Uh, I, it's almost like I feel you need to pay attention more to the max min potential picks because you're going to have people in your league uh, coming in thinking that they need to pick their third baseman as soon as possible because of the lack of depth at the position. Yeah, and when we say depth, I want to make sure we talk. There actually are a lot of decent players sure. at the position. Like by ADP, the 20th third baseman off the board is uh, Jamer Candelario, who I think is an interesting player. Right. I think that there's uh, he could do some really cool things. 19th is Josh Donaldson. I think he could he could do some really interesting things. So there's depth, but like so much risk with those players, either Mm -hmm. of being average or worse or of injury and things like that. So that's what you really see is this lack of like middle depth. And if you look at the ADP, like on NFBC, you actually see it start to happen almost immediately. Like it's J Ram at the top. And then Devers and Machado. And then there's not another one for like 35 picks. Then there's not another one for 10 picks. And then there's a little bunch. And then two rounds go by. I mean, they're just in these like little clumps. And all of a sudden you get to like the 11th third baseman drafted is pick 140. Right? Like Mm -hmm. that's, (laughs) that's like surprisingly late for the 11th third baseman off the board, especially compared to years past. Because again, there is a lot of talent. It's just these guys all have enough warts that they become like the values get really interchangeable. So you've got these like lockdown guys at the top. And then it's like, what risk do you want to take? And I think that's what we mean by shallow. It's not like there just aren't good players. It's that there's this clear tier at the top. I'd say it probably goes about nine deep. Like Ramirez, Devers, Machado, Riley, Mondesi, Arenado, Bregman, Bryant, Rendon. And then after that, it's like, eh, I, I like, I know what these players are. I don't know if they, I want them to be my starter. Right. Right. Yeah. So as you mentioned, you know, your top tier, uh, Jose Ramirez going in the first round, uh, you're expecting 20, 20 or even 30 home run, 20 stolen base production from him. And then in your tier two, it's Rafael Devers uh, that you basically need to get him by the third round consistent production after that little blip in 2020 uh keep in mind he did experience some elbow inflammation during the playoffs i'm sure should be fine now but just you know keep that in mind uh strikeout rate had come back down from its 2020 spike so uh, i think a pretty safe bet and then uh, manny machado you mentioned and he actually uh stole some bases again last season there scott playing in his 11th season just 29 years old uh, very durable, you know, never really gets hurt. But uh, interesting, the 12 stolen bases last season. Uh, I wonder if we could count on that again. I mean, I think what he has done the last few years is like, you know, he's going to steal at least five to seven, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that's that's the baseline. He steals five most years, especially since like 2017. He does it. So that I mean, that's good. But I'm not actually banking on any on anything above that because I have mm-hmm. no idea what it's going to be. Right. right. And it's also team driven, right? Like stolen bases are situational. They're incredibly situational and that you don't generally do it if your team's winning by a lot. Now, if the Padres offense can be what we think it could be, they could win a lot of games, like a couple games by a lot and they won't need him to steal. It's also rough because he hits in the middle of that lineup and they don't need him to steal. And they also have other guys who can steal. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you know, Trent Grisham's on that team. He can steal bases. So it, he'll get his five to seven because there will be an opportunity in a tight game and he can do it. 
And then after that, I'm not writing anything down. I'm not projecting anything above that, even if I think he can do more. And I think 10 is reasonable. I'm just not, not making that part of my, my projection when I'm writing in my stat totals. Yeah. And then also uh, the former manager, the A's, he's managing the, the Padres and he, like I talked about last week, he let Marte run wild. You know, maybe that's, that's a good sign for Machado. So next tier, Austin Riley uh, leads it off. Is this, is this the tier? I guess this one, maybe early fourth round uh, fourth tier that you want to grab your, your starting third baseman there, Scott. I think you kind of alluded to that earlier. Yeah, absolutely. I really want someone in the first three tiers. Uh, and actually, if I can't, I mean, I just did a draft and I took Jose Ramirez in the first round, pick like four or five or something like that. Uh, I think I have him fourth on my board. So, you know, I, I will go after him pretty aggressively. I like going after Nolan Arenado somewhat aggressively. Um, and once you start getting like tier four is actually really big, especially <laughs> for a tier this early that starts with, you know, rank nine or eight or something like that. I think it's eight. I just messed up the numbering, but it's. It's like so, so it, like tier four is bigger than one, two and three combined. Yeah, it is huge. Yeah. It's it's huge. And <laughs> and there's a reason for that. It's because any of the you there's like there's arguments. I mean, Rendon and Bryant are probably going to be at the top of it. And Escobar and McMahon are probably around the bottom. But like everything in between, it's it's very gradient in there. It's very pick your poison. And it actually makes it hard to draft one of these guys because they all feel the same to me. So if I don't get someone from the first three, I'm no longer in any rush right. because now I feel like now I'm in, now I'm in the wash. That's mm-hmm. why it feels so shallow because you hit that wash, that glob, they call it, you know, Paul Spore used to call the starting pitchers. You hit that glob in the middle. That's just kind of gross. And you might like an individual player out of there and they might be your good target for me. That's Eugenio Suarez. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't want to have to be in that position if I can at all avoid it. Those are corner infielders is what they are. Right. Right. Uh, You don't want them. Yeah. So by the way, I mentioned uh, Padres manager. I couldn't come up with the name. Bob Melvin is the manager of the Padres, former Rays manager, but, but good point uh, regarding uh, this tier and next there, Scott. So uh, your tier three starts off with Austin Riley um, and uh, 30 home run power, continued to maintain the gains that he made in, in plate discipline, uh, 36.4% K rate in 2019, uh, dropped that to 238 in, in 2021, and uh, had a career-high contact rate. Uh, looking like batting average might regress a little bit. He had a 303 batting average, but expected batting average was 279. Uh, his BABIP was way over his career norms, but uh, pretty much 30 home runs as long as he's healthy as a a given. Yeah. Austin Riley had a really, really nice breakout year. And I was glad to see it because I had been down on him. uh, Mostly because when he debuted and at times in 2020, he just had these horrible cratering outs. He just had no feel for contact and would, while he was hitting for power, he just could not get out of these slumps where, I mean, they were like, Oh, for 20, like two for 40 feeling slumps with like 19 strikeouts, just absolutely awful. And I mean, some of it might just be the fact that he got to play every day, right? He played 160 games. I mean, he literally played just about every day Mm -hmm. uh, for, for Atlanta. So, 
you know, his his plate discipline is is fine. It's average. I mean, obviously his BABIP was really high, but he was also scorching balls around. So, mm-hmm. you know, I do think the batting average comes down, but it should still be a plus, right? Yeah, I, I think yeah. it'll still be 270-ish. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. Based on the contact he was able to show last year. So that, I mean, that's realistic to me. I think I really like him. He's this very classic power hitter. Right. Mm-hmm. In terms of the stats he's going to give you, right? Like he's going to be hitting the middle of a, of a good lineup and 30 home runs, hundred RBI. Like that's, that's a really nice player to add in. And I'm really glad that he was able to get strikeouts and, and uh, sort of his consistency under control. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I misspoke before 36.4 K rate in 2019 and it was 23.8 in 2020, 25.4 in, in 2021, still well below you know, his first season. So Nolan Arenado is next on your uh, list here. And uh seems like days of hitting for a high average uh, behind him uh, has a 288 career average, but uh batted 255 last season, 253 the season before. I guess uh, you could put a little uh, of the blame on him leaving uh, Coors Field. Uh, I believe it's a bit of a factor. I know that there have been articles written negating the Coors Field effect, and but uh, in, in actuality, that batting average regression actually started while he was still with the Rockies. But you wonder why the regression in batting average. I mean, is it the two straight seasons of lower fan graph hard hit rate or – the ever so slight increase in, in fly ball rate, but uh, batted 228 at home last season. But uh, the power numbers are still going to be there, Scott. They are. I really like Nolan Arenado. And actually, what you're seeing so the batting average in 2020, I remember looking at that because I, uh, you know, heading into the 2021 season, I did my PitchCon presentation on rolling charts, and his was a really good example of lining up with an injury, right? You see this for him if you go to his rolling charts you'll find this time in uh especially like 2020 that the batting average just starts to go crater right and it's because he had uh i think it was like a core injury or something like that so you saw this like drop and then while he got healthy again he got out of colorado and the real cores effect is batting average that outfield is humongous and Mm -hmm. the ball flies through it right i mean you drop a ball at the you know, right at the back wall out there. I mean, that's a double or a triple just waiting to happen. Right. So, you know, Colorado has some speedy outfielders, but I mean, you, you can just like rope doubles out there. You get a lot of, a lot of things that would have been outs. I think in other ballparks are, you know, have more room to, to fall or like it has, there's just ways that like, and plus everybody gets on base. He had better offenses. He's a little bit older and he's just not in Colorado. There's just less green space for a ball to to travel. Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing that, but again, the power came back. I think what we saw last season is what we should expect from Nolan Arenado. 30 to 35 home runs, 100 RBI. Um, and, and, you know, an okay batting average, 260. Mm-hmm. I mean, the difference yeah, between it's not him... not going to drain your, batting, your, team, your fantasy team's no. batting average. You know, like you, you mentioned, maybe 255, 265. But the days of him, you know, 290, you know, regularly hitting 290 and 300, I think are behind this. Yeah, I mean, really the difference between Arenado and Riley is that Riley has a higher ceiling because he's on the upturn in his career and Nolan Arenado starting to enter the back half of his career Mm -hmm. is a little bit on the downside, but he's more dependable, right? Like, I would never probably take Arenado before Riley, but I mean, knowing the gap between them is probably, you know, at the end of the day, what, 10, 15 points in batting average? 
that's it. Mm-hmm. That's what's mm-hmm. between them. Yeah. And the next guy that uh, is on your rankings, a little bit polarizing, I guess, Adalberto Mondesi. I was a little surprised that you had him as high as you did based on conversation in, in past uh, podcasts with you. But, uh, you know, um, some fantasy baseball managers just love him and, and some won't. Uh, he went pick 129 overall in a pitcherless mock that I'm in the middle of. That's round nine in a 15-teamer. And basically, only played 35 games last season, uh, hamstring problem, oblique injuries. But in those 35 games, stole 15 bases, and that's pretty much his game, right? Uh, projection models only have him playing 120 to 136 games. Career 4.3% walk rate, 30% K rate, and 283 OBP, which you don't love for a guy that you want to steal bases. But still, if he's healthy, he almost seems like a cinch to steal 40 bases. I mean, yeah, but what's wild about those projections is that he's played a full season once. It was the 60-game season. And if you recall, he was garbage for the vast majority of it. (laughs) I mean, just putrid. He has a career WRC plus of 82. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to overlook that he's not a very good hitter. All right. He is a fantasy darling is what he is, yeah. uh, because, yes, he can do some exciting things. And we saw it in like 2018 where he put up like whole season home run and stolen base numbers mm-hmm. in half a season. But they're projecting him for 120 games. Steamer projects him for 136. He hasn't played. I mean, he hasn't played 100 in the last two years combined. Mm-hmm. Right. And he played the full 60-game season. It's, yes, the production is great when he shows up. And, but, ah, like, when? When is that? When does he show up? When do you get to say, like, oh, don't worry, I've got Aldoberto Mondesi? That never happens. Mm-hmm. That never happens. Basically, you have him, and then he's really exciting, but the whole time you're waiting for the balloon to pop, right? right. And then he's going to hit the IL again. He's not useful there. Especially in a head, so in Roto, obviously his upside is wild because you just need those stolen bases, right? In Roto, in NFBC with an overall, like you got to have those stolen bases and this is one way to get them. I don't like to get them this way. And then the, like the categories that we're targeting, which is in head-to-head leagues, stolen bases just take a huge step back in head-to-head because in points, they're rarely valued uh, at all close to hits, right? You'd rather have a double. And then also because weekly stolen bases are so fluky right like players don't steal a base a week two bases a week they come in bunches right it's just like saves that way right even the best of players don't steal every day they steal about one in three games and sometimes they go long periods of time without stealing in part it it depends on situational you know within a game it depends on the pitcher too so uh, you know some pitchers uh give up more stolen bases or easier to steal bases off of as well right and and every stolen base over what your opponent got in head-to-head leagues is a wasted stolen base right so winning stolen bases by six every week doesn't help you Mm -hmm. you i mean sometimes it's just going to happen but you you don't want to just go way over the top you don't need to win stolen bases every single week you need to win it most of the time and it turns out you can do that pretty easily because they're fluky you know you just it's not something you need to focus on and in leagues like that in early picks i'll take guys that steal because you know like jose ramirez I, you know it's great i want that baseline but there's no need to go get a miles straw or an aldeberto mondesi 
in for me in head to head leagues. And now mm-hmm. I rank I rank him there because if somehow he like falls to this area, I could see myself getting involved, especially in a lot like situations where I don't have any stolen bases and I need to take the risk or something. But I won't be shocked if I if I change this ranking later and drag him down a little. And I probably would have if I thought Bregman uh, could be anything like what he used to be. Yeah. And, and Mondesi and Bregman, who we'll talk about next. Good example of some of the warts uh, on this third base position. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, Mondesi obviously has the uh, injury history. And now Bregman does as well. He's coming off of uh, wrist uh, surgery, which limited him last season. Quad strain also cost him about two months of the 2021 season, just 12 home runs in 91 games, which, you know, makes sense if you're dealing with a wrist injury, projects out to be about 20 home runs in a 150-game full season if he had played. Doesn't run anymore, and those 41 home runs in 2019 seem to be an outlier. Basically, uh, most of the 2019 home run production as a whole should be looked at an outlier uh, because of the uh, the, the the ball they were using at the time. But uh, most uh, projection models think he'll have uh, mid-20 home run production. Really good plate discipline, Scott. 86% career contact rate, 14% K rate. And uh, great, obviously, in OBP leagues. Yeah, I mean, really, that's the thing is as much as people might want to talk about the Astro scandal and then, you know, obviously uh, Alex Bregman has really faded hard. Uh, since that time, since that magical 2019, it's really easy to make the narrative of, hey, look, they, you know, they pulled the curtain out, you know, they opened the curtain and you saw the man in the machine and it was a cheater, right? That That's what a lot of people are going to say. And whether or not you feel like you cheated or, you, you know, anything like that, his plate discipline is still real. He doesn't strike out. He right. takes plenty of walks. His pitch recognition is still really good, right? It's not superb. Like it was in 2019, where he walks 17% of the time, which, you know, it's easier when you know a breaking ball is coming. But mm. I think the injury is really what we're seeing with the sapped power. I think the power can come back to like a 500 ish slug. And if you look at the player, like if you look at, you know, a mid 20s home run total with, you know, close, you know, threatening 100 runs and 100 RBI, depending on how well the Astros play this season, a 280 bat, you know, 270 to 280 batting average, I think is very realistic. The OBP, like you mentioned, will be great, right? Because he still walks. You know, yeah. I, I love him in OBP leagues. Um, I'm in a draft and hold, which makes it a little harder because, I'll, you know, he seems healthy, but I can't, you know, pick up guys or anything. But yeah, he's, if I felt stronger about this, if I thought he was closer to Steamer's projection of like 27 home runs, than maybe the bat or the bat X, which have him between like 23 and 25, that could make a difference in, in where, you know, in me putting him over Mondesi. But he didn't. And so now that he's a risk multiple ways, I kind of had, you know, I put Mondesi above him, but I'm unlikely to target either one, mm-hmm. which makes me think I might want to push him down. But we're getting to the point where I don't want to target any of these guys. <laughs> well, uh, now we get to tier four, where uh, the first guy in this tier, if, I guess, if based on his historical production, could be a you know a tier three guy, but I guess we have to see how he rebounds because he's another guy uh, that had some injury uh, issues last season. Only played fifty eight games. We're talking about Anthony Rendon, by the way. Uh, he's eighth on your list of, of rankings and the first one in your tier four. Uh, played like I said, fifty eight games, dealing with a knee, triceps, hamstring, groin, uh, but it was a hip injury that just required surgery and just uh, ended his season. Uh, when healthy, I think he's been really 
reliable, right? Uh, and I guess we also have to take into consideration he's going to be batting, he's projected to be batting cleanup in a very stacked Angels lineup. Well, top heavy Angels yeah. lineup. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, that it's, top, that yeah. top part of the, yeah, you really can't beat it. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, I mean, the, the top four, <laughs> Otani, yeah. Trout, Walsh, Rendon is, is yeah. really, really strong, yeah. uh, especially if Rendon is there hitting fourth. I, again, want to like him more. I'd love to see him play, right? Uh, I'd love to feel confident. This is he's why going we to... need spring training. Yeah. I know, right? I, that's, that's what's making a lot of this hard. I think yeah. the one thing that's going to happen is you're going to see me change this to where the more I look at it, the more I think Bregman and Rendon need to be in the same tier. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably ex- push him into tier three because uh, I actually haven't finished writing that article yet because I had a bunch of things in my personal life come up that you know came up that really slowed me down. But mm-hmm. um yeah, I think Brendon's going to move to tier three to be with Arenado or uh, not Arenado, sorry, to be with Mondesi and Bregman. Like Mondesi, Bregman, Rendon, those three guys really to me mark the end of me feeling real good about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Next guy, Chris Bryant. Seems like he's been in the league forever. He's, he's 30 years old, third base outfield eligible, and uh, your ninth. Uh, third baseman on your rankings and i just can't get over it just keeps on replaying in my mind whenever i see uh the name chris bryant i just see him sobbing in the arms of whoever came to tell him that he had been traded from the cubs to the giants he's alone in the uh, the cubs dugout but former mvp uh a free agent uh I, I think he had a nice bounce back season after only playing in 34 games and batting 206 in the shortened 2020 season 25 home runs, 10 stolen bases, 265 batting average, 123 WRC plus last year. It seems that 23 to 25 home runs seems to be his floor. Uh, may not end up being the superstar that we originally envisioned him as, but uh, I don't think there's a reason not to think that he can't hit 30 home runs again. I mean, other than, you know, he's only done it once since 2016. Right now, mm-hmm. I'm cheating a little bit. He got very close in 2017. He had 29, but like he, he that that player, 2016, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't like don't see coming back is that combination of 30 home run power and 280, 290 batting average. Right, that's the part that I think is really fallen away. Like you, you see, like a new sort of stable spot in terms of batting average and OBP. That's just like a step down from everything it was before. Now he did like, I was surprised at how much he ran. He stole 10 bases. Mm -hmm. Uh, He hadn't stolen double digits. I mean, he only had what six steals in the three seasons prior, right? He had 13 total from 27 through 2020, which is ends up being like about three full seasons when you add all the numbers together. Mm -hmm. And then he steals 10. So that surprised me. And I don't know how much to expect because again, that's, I mean, that was in the national league. He got six of those stolen bases just with the giants after going over it. He got six stolen bases in 51 games. I, I don't see the stolen bases getting back to that level. I think he's another five to seven guy and I reserve the right to either move him. Uh, he might move up to the next tier if he lands in a really good situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also might stay, I might feel a lot better about him being in a lower tier if he goes to a bad situation where 
he's either, you know, where he's the only hitter on a team or he gets weirdly buried in a lineup somewhere. Um, so it's hard to say exactly, but the uncertainty has me putting him at the top of the next tier. Right. And like you said, lots of question marks once you get past those first three players that we talked about at the third base position. And the next guy is DJ LeMayhew. I feel like we've spoken about him a lot um, because he's first base, second base, third base eligible. And uh, based on the production he'll provide, probably be best suited, I think, as a fantasy second baseman. You're probably going to want a little bit more power out of your first or third baseman or corner uh, infielder. But I, I think that just in general, projection models seem to be shortchanging him when it comes to batting average. That they say it's in the 280 plus range. You know, you, you look at his career batting average of 300. I think that you know, 290. You know, a little like lower 290, mid 290 range is probably more like it. Home runs, mid to upper teens. Uh, you know, we talked about how last season. You know, he really regressed uh, in part, we think, due to his sports hernia. But uh, it's you know, we'll see. Without a spring training, we don't know how how. Uh, much he's healed from that, but I'm sure he'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, the difference with LeMahieu being in sort of like the thick of it in tier four and being in the middle of like tier three around Nolan Arenado is power. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. What what version of, I mean, we I feel really good about the batting average, right? Mm-hmm. Like in New York, even like even with the season last year, he's still a, like a, a 300 plus hitter. So that part I feel really good about. I know he's going to play every day. I mean, the guy plays every game, like every year. He plays, you know, 140, 150 games every time. That's really good. The plate discipline, obviously, is is still excellent. It was just a return to his old power. And that's the part that's scary. That's the part I can't really explain other than hopefully it was injury. Obviously, a delay to spring training is a double-edged sword. It means that on one hand, I know... He like, I know that the delay means he has more time to get healthy for the start of the season and less mm-hmm. of a t- possibility to miss the start. But also the delay means I'm not seeing him. Right. I'm not knowing if he would have been available to practice today. Right. Right. Like that's, it's that mystery. So, un, uh, you know, just because the hernia injury is fixed, like that can still be a very painful thing. It's around his core. It's a sports hernia. It can really mess with power actually. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want to see. I would love to see him in spring training hit home runs. I'd love to have spring training. And then when it comes to evaluating DJ LeMahieu, I want to see him hit balls hard in spring. Even if it was like, you know, a, a third rate reliever throwing him a meatball. Mm-hmm. I just want to see him hit the ball hard. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what he's going to need to do to be a viable player. Because the type of guy he was last season just can't be rostered in 12 teams. Right. And also uh, another thing, and it could be due to, you know, the core injury. He wasn't going to the opposite field as much last season too. And in Yankee stadium for a right-handed hitter, that's, that's big. But, um, and you talk, and I've talked about how missing spring trading uh, is hurting our evaluation process. And the next guy, it's even more evident. uh, Key Brian Hayes, uh, third baseman for the pirates uh, possesses good plate discipline, above average contact rate, good speed, some power, maybe mid-teen to upper, you know, upper teen kind of power. But again, it's going to be tough to predict, Scott, what his 2022 season is going to be like. Missed a bunch of time due to a wrist injury. Then they discovered a assist in, in that left hand. And uh, they told him, hey, you know, don't swing the bat for a couple of months. And then the lockout happened. 
Yeah, and, and he's a guy that could really jump up these rankings if if I wanted to get cute, right? Because what I like what I like about Hayes is that he does have a really nice power speed combo. I think that he's shown the types of things he's capable of doing. Obviously, what we saw in 2020 in those 95 plate appearances was amazing, mm-hmm. right? And it shows us there is a lot of talent there, and there's a lot more than we saw last season. Um, the projections are going to be pretty soft because he's a young player without a lot of track record. But I like that he has strong plate discipline still, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you see big regression there. We didn't see that. We saw him run. Not, you know, nine stolen bases in 96 games. That's that's pretty good. Uh, the Pirates aren't very good, so they need to steal bases to win. And he's excellent defensively. So that means he plays every single day. Right. They don't, they're not going to sit him. Like, they're unlikely to sit him for a, It's easy to sit a guy like Miguel Sano for a day off. Mm-hmm. Right. To be like, hey, clear your head. You struck out a bunch of times again. Right. Because he's he's garbage with the with the glove. Mm-hmm. And you have plenty of other players who can play his position. You don't lose anything on the field. All you lose is a guy who strikes out a lot or something. Uh, with Cabrian Hayes, you lose excellent defensive work. You lose like I mean, they need to play great defense to win games because they can't score runs. Mm-hmm. So they need him to play to to win games. And as much as you can talk about how they don't care about winning games, like tell that, you know, tell that to the kids on the field. Right. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell them that the team doesn't care about winning games because they do. Sure. So I, I think it is going to matter. It's just, again, there's so much risk here. He has 120 games in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not like we've seen a ton in those games. There's still only 11 home runs. Right. So let's, you know, I, I want to be more aggressive here, but it's just he's he's on a bad team and he was hurt. It was his wrist. I haven't seen him much. I have to hold him here, but again, he could bump up too, right? This tier is waiting to be split in half by, you know, basically by what, like by spring training, this tier would have spring, like it'd get cut in half with spring training. Cause I'd see who's on the top half of it on the bottom, but right mm-hmm. now all I can do is speculate. So now I'm stuck with this giant tier. That's going to take us the rest of the episode to freaking get through because yeah, yeah. there's a lot to say about these guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as we trudge along uh, in this tier four, Matt Chapman, your 12th uh, ranked third baseman and pretty big Max Min. I looked by the last week or so in NFBC, um, 96 and 249 uh, Min Max picks. Um, 2021 first season back since he underwent the season ending hip surgery in 2020. Uh, posted the lowest batting average of his career, batted 210, lowest line drive rate of his career, which isn't going to help his batting average much. Not the kind of guy who chases pitches out of the strike zone, but the K rate has skyrocketed uh, since 2019. It was 35% in 20, 32.5% in 2021. Good defender, so you know he's going to be in the lineup every day. Solid 30 homer bat. Is he a player that the A's move? Do we take that into consideration too? Who knows? I have no idea what the is. I mean, who who aren't they going to move? Right? Like they can't move the whole team. Uh, the mascot, <laughs> so, do they have a mascot that they could trade? I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, they're going to try. Yeah. So you know, the first thing I want to say is 2020 really stands out as a bit of an outlier for yeah, for sure. Matt Chapman. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in terms of in terms of just like raw power, he was insane with the power mm-hmm. that year, and you know the walk rate was really disturbing to be so low, but at the same time. He, you know, I was hoping that was a blip. What concerned me is that the strikeout rate 
didn't come down over the course of a whole season. And the first thing I looked to see if it was like a breaking ball thing, that happens a lot where you see players where they have sudden declines because they just can't stop like whiffing against breaking balls, but he had been good against breaking balls in the past. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not last season, but in seasons before he had absolutely, I mean, he struggled with them a bit, but he was still able to hit them hard. Right. But now he like this season, he didn't, he wasn't able to hit those that hard. He whiffed on a ton of them, but he whiffed on everything, right? He whiffed on 31.6% of fastballs. Like how, how do we expect this player to be a useful fantasy, like to be the power asset he is when he whiffs on almost a third of the fastballs he sees. One, two, three strikes, you're out. That's the stuff he's got to send out. Mm-hmm. It's got to go. Yes, yes. <laughs> you, can't, you can't have an X slug of 422 on fastballs and expect to be a starting fantasy third baseman. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. So he's got to figure, like I, I wish I had studied more and could tell you, but unless he starts doing more damage to the fastball or finds a way to bring that strikeout rate back to what was a very reasonable level in 2018, 2019, unless that comes back, he's not going to go back to being that locked in top 10 first baseman. And he's going to be like this top 15 to 20 ish first or third baseman, because you're, you've got this hope and you know, either way he'll hit, you know, 27 plus homers. Mm -hmm. But if he hits 210, who cares? Right. Right. Like, yeah, the walk rate's great for OBP leagues. Then he'll just have a bad OBP instead of a horrible batting average. But again, I can't really get excited here until I know that he's not going to whiff on a third of the fastballs. You can't do that. You can't right. do that and hit home runs, especially in a place like Oakland, which has a giant foul territory and it's not easy to hit home runs in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, speaking of the A's, uh, <laughs> they, I think this week they they signed Eric. Thames or is it Thames? T H A M E S. Thames. They signed him. Uh, former Korean and Japanese league player. Also played a bunch of time in the uh, major leagues. Last with the Washington Nationals. So um, you know, first base eligible. I think he has like a seven hundred plus ADP on NFPC. But uh, you know, the A's have been pretty very vocal about you know wanting to trade. Uh, some of their plays that have value. So, uh, you know, Matt Olson probably uh, on the move and uh, uh, Tim's might be the everyday, you know, starting first baseman. Who knows? Without, without spending too much more of this podcast talking about Eric Tim's, mm-hmm. um, I will say if any team brings him in, it's to be a platoon bat. He's pretty mm-hmm. good against righties and was never good against lefties. So like he himself isn't a reason a team team does anything other than to say like, could we, you know, basically they'll bring guys like him in to say, can we um, see in spring training if I can create an effective platoon out of this? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of money ball it. And if not, you know, then we'll we'll keep what we have, you know, with our right, you know, with the regulars at this position. But he could play first base, you know, and, you know, Matt Olson's the left, yeah. you know, Matt Olson is the guy they kind of want to move. Yeah. So if they can find a platoon partner, uh, like a, you know, like a righty who, struggles against other righties, you know, tough righties. They could bring in Eric Thames in those games and whatever. But yeah, with Matt Chapman specifically, like this team, that's the other thing. If I thought Oakland was going to be good, I could be a little more confident because I'd be like, well, at least he'll score runs or something. But they're also not going to hit well. (laughs) So I can't can't count on counting stats either, right? So even if he hits a bunch of home runs, it might be a bunch of solo solo shots. So 
I can't yeah, believe you yeah. don't want to talk about Eric Timms. I thought maybe we'd do a whole episode on him later in the season, but okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll try. I mean, we got to. Yeah. I want to do like a, 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 a Runyet Odor episode followed by an Eric Timms episode. What do you think? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, That's what the people came we'll here for. We get a for. lot of downloads on that those episodes. Uh, next guy that uh, on your rankings in this huge tier is Justin Turner. He's your thirteenth ranked third baseman. Basically, I, I feel when it comes to Turner, you never really start out to want to make him your starting third baseman, but sometimes it just happens if you wait too long. Consistently puts up good, not great numbers, right? But uh, just doesn't get any respect uh, from the fantasy community. That's the story of my life. No respect. Look, I know he's 37 years old, but all he does year after year is provide you with 20-plus home runs. He had 27 in each of his last two full seasons. And he hits for a pretty good batting average. I mean, and a very, very good OBP player. Lifetime 368 OBP. And uh, I guess on the negative aspect of uh, his potential production, and for what it's worth, hit a total of 28 home runs, I guess playoffs included, but his expected home runs were 23.1. And uh, 151 games he played last season was the most he played since 2016. Yeah, and I mean, with him, you know what it is. It's high quality uh, per at-bat. You don't always know exactly how many at-bats you're going to get. He's been fairly durable lately, so I'd probably pencil him in for a good 130 games, right? Which in a 12-team league is no problem. What shocked me was exactly how good he's been with the Dodgers and you know with the ever since joining the Dodgers and that's it's a long sample it's 3,688 plate appearances he's hitting 298 with a 379 OBP and a 498 slug Mm -hmm. I mean he's he's raking he's Mm -hmm. got a it's a WRC plus of 139 39 percent better than the average player he's been really really good it's just a matter of number of at-bats this is actually where in a 12-team league like a Yahoo league a guy like Justin Turner might be the one that slips through the cracks and stays on the draft board for a weirdly long amount of time because everyone already has a thir- third baseman, mm-hmm. right? Or they're punting to grab a guy later on, right? They're just totally punting and being like, that's okay though, because I really believe in uh, Alec Bohm for no particular reason, right? Like that could happen. And by doing that, Justin Turner could be a really good value in your leagues. He could have some, you don't get to see this data very well in Yahoo, but he could have some weird mid max picks there due to how short the hitting rosters are. So he's an okay target. And I think a lot of people will target him as their like last ditch third baseman by citing the numbers I just cited. Mm -hmm. All right. This is a huge tier. Uh, I think we should take a, a short break, come right back and we'll talk more tier four third baseman, on Hacks and Jacks. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening 
Let's get back to the show. All right, we're back. Joglina Scott Chu breaking down the third base position on Hacks and Jacks. And now we get to a guy, Scott, at uh, your 14th ranked third baseman. And I guess the, the two words that come to mind when we talk about Yoan Mancada is wasted talent. The saddest thing in life is wasted talent. Right? Yeah, and once an Uber prospect, 27 years old now, so he still has plenty of time to uh, play within his prime, but hasn't come close to fulfilling his potential. I mean, at least most of us thought he'd be kind of like a five-tool guy when he was on the way up, uh, but with a a 29.6 fly ball rate, which is just about 7% below the league norm last season, league average, he's not going to hit too many home runs. Only had 14 in 616 plate appearances last season. The He has five stolen base attempts dating back to the 2020 season. I mean, you can't count on him in that category. Good news from last season, highest line drive rate of his career. We equate a line drive rate with a higher batting average, but um, uh, and also displayed the best plate discipline of his career, career high in walk rate and career low in strikeout rate, but basically has not fulfilled, like I mentioned before, uh, any of the potential that we thought that we'd see from him. No, but he did do one thing that I'm really excited about. And that's, so early in his career, he would walk plenty, but he struck out too much. Mm-hmm. And then it, it really kind of reached its peak. And I think it was 2018 where he had this, you know, he had this 34% strikeout rate or something close to that, but it's because he was giving up every edge pitch. He was taking them all. Right. So he was striking out too much on these called third strikes. So the next season he cleans it up, but he stops walking as much again because he's more aggressive on the edges. Right. And then in 2020, we know that he sort of has been stuck with this long COVID issue. He it really, you know, he mentioned it really wore him down. Yeah. And he brought the walk rate back up, but the strikeout rate started creeping up as well. And this last season, I didn't see the power I wanted. I didn't see a lot of what I wanted except for the plate discipline. That 13.6% walk rate, that 25.5% strikeout rate, those are the things I want to see, right? It's a little better than two to one Mm -hmm. uh, strikeouts to walks. And he's got enough power and contact ability to really turn that into something, right? Uh, He's a, you know, he's a good defender. He's going to keep playing every day. I, I think that there is like that, that player we saw in 2019, which was a 25 home run, 10 stolen base guy, just with like, I think we'll see a little bit lighter on the batting average, of course. I don't think he'll have another full season Babbitt of 406. Babbitt's a lazy stat in some ways, but that's really high, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do think Yohan Mankata can be a, a good player, but again, he's been so up and down. He's in this tier because of all those question marks. And he'd be even lower in this tier if I didn't love what I saw in the play discipline last year so much. So you think of him as a potential sleeper? No, I think of as a potential breakout guy. Okay, but just because I see the potential doesn't mean I want to bank on it, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it's a very specific price point for me to want to do that. But right, like his his min pick is like or his max pick is like one ninety eight. Love that, mm-hmm. right? His ADP is like one fifty. But if you start getting to pick one seventy, one eighty, you're in one of those twelve team leagues, and he's just kind of just like I mentioned with Turner, he just keeps floating out there for longer and longer. I start getting pretty excited because there are some major things he could do and you're no longer needing him to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the balance. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next 
third baseman we'll talk about veteran Josh Donaldson for the Twins. Uh, basically, only a matter of time before those calves start barking, right? Woof, woof. Uh, health has always been a factor recently. Quality of contact, still very good. Tremendous barrel rate last season, a 17.4. League average was just 7.9. Uh Positive news, 247 batting average, expected batting average, 268. Uh, most projection models have him playing 130-plus games. And uh, I guess that it's possible, but they may be a little optimistic. That's really optimistic, right? <laughs> like, that's aggressive, right? Uh, so it's ste- like Steamer's usually like the conservative one. And they love him, right? 30 home runs in 138 games. And that really shows you what the upside is. It's really funny. Like sometimes projections do a quick job of showing you upside and downside because you'll find a projection that loves a guy and then a projection that hates a guy, right? And that's Steamer and Zips. Steamer has him as a 30 home run guy over 138 games with a 250 batting average. Hmm. Zips has him as a 22 home run guy over 124 games with a 240 batting average. And they have the same exact walking, like almost the exact same walk and strikeout rates because those have been so consistent over the last few years, right? The batting average is pretty close. Basically, all that really changes is games played in home runs, mm-hmm. right? So it could be as low as 20 if he misses too many games, right? Uh, but he should get over 25. He's done. If he plays a hundred games, he hits 25 home runs. Like that's been the case every year since 2014, right? He hits actually at least 25 home runs. If he plays at least a hundred games, so you can get the power, but when, right, when are you going to have it? If you, if you're in a league with no IL or restricted IL, like you only have one or two spots, he becomes a big sandbag for a mm-hmm. decent chunk of the season right. because he's just on that cusp of like the upsides there, but also is he worth this spot? Whereas if you have unlimited or very deep benches or IL, he's a really nice stash as a guy who, again, high quality of plate appearances when he gets his plate appearances. Yeah, 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 good point. And uh, hey, if you're going to uh, rely on if you're on Donaldson as your starting third baseman, which good luck, um, a, a guy to maybe draft as well way deep. Uh, or just you know pick him up off the waiver wire, Jose Miranda from the Twins. You, you see what this guy did last season in uh, in the minor leagues? Hit 30 home runs with a 344 batting average. Played both in Double A and Triple A. So uh, I think we'll be seeing him uh, this season. 23 year old prospect for the Twins. We'll probably be seeing him in the big leagues this year. Anything's possible. They're weirdly, the twins have this really, I don't remember who I was talking to about it, but they have this really strange and full roster for a team that lost so many games, Mm -hmm. right? For a team that was as bad as they were last year, their hitting lineup is like kind of jam packed because they have all these guys they want to give a chance to, right? but they can't, right? Um, Not just, you know, the guys you're talking about, but they have, you know, young guys that, and outfielders that they just can't get rid of. And they all play the same positions. They all play first DH or third, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, or maybe corners. Outfield, uh, with Larnick yeah. and Rooker and Kirilov. Mm-hmm. And you've got Donaldson there. You've got, you know, utility man, Luis Arias trying to make sure he gets playing time. Jose Polanco sure. needs playing time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it still like they never have given a look to Nick Gordon, who was at one time, one of their top prospects, mm-hmm. right? They want, they wanted to do that. Uh, They've got Royce Lewis at shortstop, who's still in their farm system. He's their number one overall prospect. He's a top 30 prospect kind of kid. They've got Austin Martin, who plays outfield. They've got a ton of players 
on this team that are all in like triple a major leagues or like knocking on the door and they got nowhere to put them. So that's why I like, I'm very hesitant to start projecting playing time for anyone in the minors for the twins that mm. plays in the corners. Cause I don't know how they're going to get everyone in, in the majors. Like, are they really going to platoon all of those guys? Like they've got the whole like second half of their lineup, like five through nine are all guys that they could platoon every day. It's wild. Mm. But I do think Jose Miranda will be on the big league roster to start the season with how well he played. Yeah. Uh, but, Right. Like, I don't know what to really do with it. There's this upside where he could have a really nice batting average. Some projection systems really like what he's been able to do with the bat. He makes a lot of contact. That's always really good. He doesn't have a strikeout problem. And he'd be really interesting if this team didn't have like eight other guys like that. <laughs> uh, talking about uh, teams that have a lot of guys like in common. Well, first we'll talk Eugenio Suarez. I mean, we, we went into him in depth in the previous uh, episode when we talked shortstops, but he's back at the hot corner and uh, had a big September, but you could talk about him because I know he's your guy, but uh, you know, the Rockies, we talked uh, about them having a few guys that they could play like Brendan Rogers and Ryan McMahon, uh, 17th ranked on your third base list and middle-aged young guys right on their team. But that makes up the next two in this tier. Yeah. And actually the, the rest of this tier between Suarez, McMahon, Eduardo Escobar, and Luis Arias, uh, or Urias, I actually ranked them all right together. And part of that was because I had to remember in what order I ranked them because they're all multi-position guys. Mm-hmm. So when I go from position to position, I need to keep them in the same order. Uh, but also because like they all represent like very similar sort of like upsides, right? Like I, I put Suarez at the front because his upside's the highest because we've seen him be a 50 home run hitter. Uh, in the fairly recent past. Uh, And we saw him get back to some of that in the final month of the season. Um, But we haven't seen it for very long and we have a longer track record of him not being so good. Ryan McMahon plays in Colorado, has some power, but that team is terrible and it's Colorado. Mm -hmm. Eduardo Escobar makes no sense to me. He shouldn't be as good as he's been, but he keeps hitting almost 30 home runs every year. And now he's, now he's a Met for no good reason. But I mean, they, (laughs) I mean, they did just get rid of a lot of guys, but they've had a lot of players like Eduardo Escobar. I didn't really Mm -hmm. think they had a need for him, but they do apparently. Mm -hmm. And then Luis Urias over with Milwaukee. He had a nice little season, but all these guys are guys that can hit for power and steal up to 10 bases. Probably not, but more like five to six or seven, but they could steal more. They're all very similar. I like Suarez the best of them. They all get drafted around the same time. If you like one more than the other, sure, sure. I don't care. Why not? Right. (laughs) Right. But, but you, you're getting to the point in this position where you really don't necessarily need to rank them as much as you need to be aware of like, which of these guys, like you don't need to fully evaluate every single one of these guys. Right. Right. Some of them just aren't going to have profiles you're interested in. Right. Like if you're not interested in high strikeout players, you mean your Suarez is off your board. Right. Uh, If you're not interested in players who don't have, you know, 35 home run upside, uh, that's probably not Urias or Escobar, right? Or probably even McMahon. That's probably just Suarez. I mean, but you can figure out what you want. And also it's going to be really dependent on what you need for your team, right? Um, they're all flexible. They all can play multiple positions. So it's really going to be team need and sort of personal preference on these four guys. Right. Yeah. I mean, I kind of like uh, Escobar, you know, uh, hit 28 home runs last season, fourth time he hit at least 20. 
his expected home runs were 33. But, you know, at the same time, like you mentioned, kind of strange that the Mets actually signed him. You know, they have J.D. Davis. They're going to have Robinson Cano coming back. But you, you do have the DH now in the NL. So, uh, But I, I, I can see where you're coming from in terms of a lot of these players being interchangeable. And then Luis Urias kind of reminds me the way he developed. It reminds me of Gio Urshela from the Yankees where he was supposed to be a light-hitting kind of guy. Started out as a shortstop last season. Then when the Brewers traded for Willie Adamas, uh, they moved him to third, and he started hitting. So, uh, but uh, it's a good point. And and like you mentioned, Urias second, third, short eligible. Eduardo Escobar second and third eligible. McMahon second and third. You know, uh, Suarez short and third. So it's pretty interesting how they're all multi position eligible. Yeah. Although like this is the final year that Suarez is going to have shortstop eligibility. Yeah, yeah, should never be there. Right, right. And his numbers, uh, you know, weren't great as a third baseman, but much better than compared to when he played, you know, short. But uh, now we get to Tier 5, and we lead off with a Tiger. I, I was wondering when we were going to talk about a Tiger, but uh, Jimer Candelario. Uh, yeah. yeah. The, the Candyman, yeah. right? I love I love the Candyman. I, I like Jamer Candelario. I think that he can do some really fun things. Uh, former, you know, a former pitcherless writer. He's now over at Fangraphs. Nicholas Gott actually ranked him as high as 10th. Uh, he ranked him. T- I wow. couldn't believe it. He uh, he put him real high. And I, I like him a lot. You can find him on Twitter at, at not Burt Reynolds, but I, I'm a big fan of Nick's work. And so it did make me look deeper. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's rosy. I mean, the last two seasons, we've seen a really nice lift in the batting average. And he's a guy who can make really good contact. I just don't see how he hits more than 20 home runs. But uh, volume is a big deal. And he's going to play every single day. Uh, he can continue putting wood on the ball and the Tigers are going to be okay, right? Mm-hmm. They are not a bottom dweller anymore. I, I don't think that they've got a lot of exciting pieces coming up. They, yeah. they showed that they can really play with the new manager, uh, AJ Hinch. So I do think he's like a solid guy, but in 12 team leagues, I just don't see enough value here, but maybe in like in deeper leagues for sure. 15 teamers. He's great. Love him in obviously any league that's, that's deeper, but in the 12 teamers with no corner infield, it's going to be hard for him to make an impact because of how top heavy this position is. He just can't do the things that the guys in the top nine to 10 can do in in no universe. Can he do those things? That's the, he doesn't even have that upside, right? His upside is probably like top of tier four instead of like, yeah, but it's hard to see him breaking into tier three unless he bats like two ninety seven again. Yeah. Batted two ninety seven, three sixty nine 369 OBP. 16 home runs in 149 games. What caught my eye was 42 doubles. And if he could turn some of those doubles into home runs, you know, gets a, a little strong. He is 27 already. If he was maybe 22, 23, you'd say, hey, maybe, maybe still developing some 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 strength there. But, you know, uh, you know, maybe uh, caps out at 20, 22 home runs as he progresses. But it, to me, you know, that 42 doubles stuck out a little bit. Yeah, and uh, the one thing I'll caution you, being a Tigers guy, Comerica Park is another place with a huge outfield. High walls, you know, famously 420 to center out there. It's got these huge power alley gaps. It's actually how Nick Castellanos used to lead the AL in triples, despite being not very fast, because Comerica is huge. So I do think some of those could turn to home runs. He just has to not hit them directly into those giant gaps. Mm-hmm. Next guy, we'll talk about Alec Bohm from the Phillies was a highly regarded prospect really t- 
tanked last season, uh, got sent back down to the minor leagues, couldn't catch up to fastballs, got a chance to work with new Phillies hitting coach Kevin Long before the lockout, but obviously then the lockout happened. But uh, 53% ground ball rate in 597 big league appearances. Yeah, you kind of question if he doesn't change his approach, it's going to be tough for him to turn into a uh, power hitting third baseman. Yeah, Fangraphs calls, you know, Start, starts talking about him like a like a third base first base version of Michael Brantley in their mm-hmm. uh, like in their notes, and that's that's okay. Like honestly, that that's okay. Like obviously, you can't do that in two forty seven. But if he can come back and hit closer to like two seventy, two eighty, uh, yeah, he could be very very. Um, yeah, I, I mean that's a decent guy, Michael Brantley, because he doesn't walk a ton, but he will make contact. He's got to cut the strikeouts down a little bit, which he did do in his short stint in the minors. Uh, he got those down. They probably need to come down to a bit more uh, like they looked earlier in his career. But if he can just bring back more of that contact, and he's got like a really, he's got a really nice hit tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, 20 home runs is maybe going to be the top of his power, uh, especially with the way he's sort of shifted. But again, there's something, there's something there. It's just at this point in the draft, like you're really trying to catch lightning in a bottle and maybe hope that he turns into like a 20, 20 home run, six stolen base guy with like a 280 batting average. But, you know, Bohm, we're already getting to the point. No, I mean, we're already, though, let's be clear, we're already getting to the point in a 12 team league that you don't need to draft these guys. Mm -hmm. Like you just don't have to. Uh, I mean, like this whole, like this whole, really all of tier five and tier six to do a little lightning round for you. Yeah, go for Um, it. In a 12-team Yahoo league with no corner infields or outfields, I probably still don't need to draft Jamer Candelario. That's what you need to know. Everyone else that comes after this, uh, just going to be watch list only. There's no reason to draft these guys in 12-team leagues with no corner, like with no corner or middle infield spots, with one exception and that's jonathan vr who's a free agent i've got him ranked 27th in tier six and he's only ranked there because what if he joins a team that needs him to start mm-hmm. then you're looking at a power speed guy you're looking at i mean even with the mets last year he chipped it like when he played and like played regularly he was a decent fantasy asset due to the steals and the power but like unless that happens it's really like you can s- sort of start to visualize the path to sort of relevance, like Kevin Biggio, if he can just get back to the guy he was in 2019 or same for like Gio Urshela. I always thought there was another step to his game. If Patrick wisdom can just strike out, a, either strike out a little less or hit a little more uh, either way, it doesn't really matter. Like Brian Anderson is at the end of this. He's like just a pure volume guy. That's like mm-hmm. a 15 team play. Luis Arias is versatile and could hit at the top of that lineup, but with very little power and minimal, like barely 10 home run power, barely 10 stolen base speed. Like he has to hit like 300 plus and just the batting average isn't something you need to draft mm-hmm. in these 12 team Yahoo leagues. So like, I'm going to be shortening a lot of my talks. Cause like up until now, these were all guys that you'd consider drafting all guys you'd consider as a third baseman, but we're at the point now where this should never be who's in your third base spot right. in the 12 team league. Uh, any 12 team league mm-hmm. yeah uh good point i mean basically you just ran through uh tier five and tier six yeah um, I, mean, I will pick out some guys that i do like more than the others right mm-hmm. so like kevin biggio you can get him real late and 
especially in like OBP. We've seen what he's capable of doing. It's a very exciting team. It's just, you don't want to invest anything in it because he could just very, yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing. That's true for all these guys, right? Like, is there, is there a reality where Gio Urshela plays every day and hits like 280, 290 with 20 home runs? Sure. Yeah, sure there is. Yeah. It's not this reality probably, but there's one that's out there that's plausible. Mm -hmm. And that's all this is like people, these are going to be the ones that like our going deep team are going to write articles about because it's like, you don't have to draft this guy, but just, just remember if Hunter Dozier goes off, I wrote this Mm -hmm. article and I mean that in a good way, right? Right. We see these things, but that's what makes it so hard is that you can see the paths, but you don't want to fall in love with them because they all are several if then statements, right? If, if then, if Kevin Biggio finds that solid play discipline again, if he can stop popping out all the freaking time, (laughs) and if he can start every day, then there might be a starting caliber player here, right? Mm -hmm. But like all those ifs need to happen. And that's why they're all just like smashed down in these bottom two tiers. Right. Ranked mostly by upside, right? Like, you know, Luis Arias' upside is obviously a batting title and a really useful player that you kind yeah. of move around, but it's still batting average only, right? And and hopefully run scored. Um, yeah, talking 90% or, contact rate for him. Yeah, so if you're yeah, these really are, these are, desperate for batting average, you know. Yeah, these are, these are all guys. Mm-hmm. But, and now I say I'll never draft them. All of them will be rosterable probably at some point mm-hmm. in the season as a, as a streamer, as a fill-in, as, you know, whatever, right? Like, you know, eventually at some point, Alec Bohm might get, or Alec Bohm, or I'm trying to find the the NL guys like Alec Bohm or Patrick Wisdom, those guys could all find like, uh, they could all find you know a way to prominence. They could all find something, or like their way to this hot streak. I mean, we already saw it with Patrick Wisdom, right? Yeah. We saw him just go on this absolute tear. He was relevant. We've also and that's seen still him possible. Forty percent of the time, right? <laughs> I'd love it if I watch him going on, but like if he's got a road trip and like a four game series in Colorado, like mm-hmm. ooh. If my utility spots just begging for some power, mm-hmm. right? Or like one of those like weekend series in Colorado and I'm behind by two home runs and I've got this like free, you know, I've got these spots that I'm churning out. Patrick Wisdom all of a sudden looks like, how about you come over here and see if you just smack a couple of dingers out of a place where the breaking balls can't move away from your bat, mm-hmm. right? Because I know you're swinging hard <laughs> every yeah, yeah. time, you know? So the, that's, that's who these guys are. And yeah. I would tell you not to necessarily fall in love with them in 12 team leagues, but just like, Put one or two of them on your watch list. Yeah. The ones that you feel are the most plausible. For me, it's probably like VR. VR, if he, but like he's only on my watch list when he gets a job. Yeah. And then 20, I'll start. 20 and then, he definitely steal uh, 20 bases yeah. and hit upwards of 20 home runs with yeah. every day at bats. Average yeah, so isn't going to be great. Batting average no. will not be great. No. And we've seen Kevin Biggio like threaten 15, 15, 20, 20 kind of numbers before yeah, uh, those kinds of things. Um, can But you know, this is a mix of like boring safety and mm-hmm. then like bad with good upside. Yeah. Another guy you could put on your uh, watch list that I mentioned to me earlier, Abraham Toro is going to be the everyday starting ba- uh, third baseman for the Mariners. Got uh, some speed and uh, uh, some power, uh, you know, production possibility. And uh, Josh Young, J-U-N-G for the Rangers, might even be their starting third baseman, depending on if they if he starts uh, the season as the Rangers starting third baseman. Carter Kaboom's going to be the everyday third baseman for the Nationals. Now, you're not going to want to draft him 
or or start him, but keep him on your watch list. We mentioned Nolan Gorman last last week. Uh, you know he's eligible at third, but there's a possibility he takes over for Tommy Edmond at second, right? And uh, here's a guy I want to ask you about that I'm sure you're very familiar with, Mike Mustakis, right? <laughs> he's a guy, especially with the uh, DH in the NL, plays in a, a, a bandbox of a, of, a, of a stadium. I mean, the guy could hit 25, 30 home runs given every day at bats. Might not give you more than a 240, 250 average, but you remember Mike Moustakis? I have no idea when he's going to play. <laughs> I I know so little about what's going on with his health. Mm. It's like we haven't. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't know much update. about a lot of uh, players' health because with with the lockout. But uh, I think like, he should be healthy to start the season. Well, like I guess, but he was so bad when he played, it made me wonder if he was healthy. Mm. You know what I mean? He hit two hundred eight last season, slugged three seventy two. Uh you know, and he really, I mean, the batting average has been pretty bad the last two seasons, although in 2020, all of the Reds had this weird power. Yeah. Well, they, they hit for some the power still, there. but they couldn't. Yeah. It was <laughs> weird. But, <laughs> but like, there's so many question marks. I didn't rank him, but he's someone that will likely appear ranked once I find something out about him. Mm-hmm. Toro, I like in deep leagues because I think he's going to play. There's not very much in terms of guys like that are coming up to try to steal a lot of his playing time in Seattle. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, I think, and like, it's just the upside's kind of limited. I think that he could be like a, you know, 15 home runs, a little less intense on bases kind of yeah. guy. Uh, maybe up to like 17 or 18 if he plays like 140, 150 games. Mm-hmm. But, right? Like, that's if and if. And then even then, the counting stats aren't very good and the batting right. average isn't very good. Right. So, again, he's a deep league. Like, you need that accumulation, but he's a streamer at best in the shallow leagues. And, and we're, Obviously, the bottom of these ranks are where you see a lot of difference between like what I've got and what you might see on uh, ADP for like NFBC because they just mm-hmm. have a lot more spots to fill and they need they need guys who play to do it. So Toro moves up, right? He moves up a lot. I take him off because in twelve team leagues he just doesn't do enough to do anything more than stream. So you don't need to draft him. But again, that was true of everyone after about nineteen. Yeah, yeah. Josh Rojas doesn't deserve to be ranked top thirty. But he's a guy that could go, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, 12-12, you know, 12 home runs, 12 stolen bases, 250 batting average. But I I get your point and very valid as well. So uh, good job, Scott Chu. Um, And uh, I guess that uh, slams the lid on things for today, right? I mean, uh, what are we doing next uh, week? We'll be back March 2nd. What are we doing, the outfield or catcher? Pick your poison. Let's let's do catcher, I guess. <laughs> okay. Outfield's <laughs> like a series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll have to do uh, outfield in uh, two Probably break it in half or something. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know. We'll figure something out. But yeah. you know what you should really be proud of me for? Is I went until just now uh, before mentioning that Rugned Freegan Odor is eligible at third base. Just so you all know. Just in case you're tracking, Odor available there too. Multi-position eligible. Someone his, his ADP has got to be uh, skyrocketing. So somewhere, like what's worse is I don't want anyone to draft him, but I know they will. Someone is going to make the argument, and it's going to sound really good. I'm mm-hmm. just begging you not to fall for it. Yeah, it's got to be an 18 time. team league or something like that. Somebody will take him. No, uh, no, <laughs> it's the principle. <laughs> it's the principle of the thing, Joe. But like again, he he will play, and it's in Baltimore. But and they're going to be like, oh, he used to be a this. Don't fall for it. Like don't. Mm-hmm. Don't fall for it at the bottom of these tiers. 
Like people will get excited, but remember, like always think about your format. If you're in a 15 teamer, this is a lot more interesting, right? If you're in a 15 teamer, JD Davis is more interesting. Joey Wendell is more interesting. Uh, you know, there are, there are paths to relevancy for, for some of these players, but for the most part in a 12, like some of these guys, you have to wonder like, does like, how does Brian Anderson become relevant in a 12 team league for more than a month? And when you, when you start getting to the point where you can't figure out how he does that, or you have to find like the one time he did it ever, then you're realizing you don't need to draft this player in 12 team leagues. Mm -hmm. That's the thought process. All right. Fair enough. All right. So uh, follow me at Joe Galina. Follow Scott at If the Chew Fits. By the way, with Odor, I just wonder, he obviously grew that beard back. I want to see him on social media, see if he if it came uh, full scale where I think it was like three or four inches long. So I'm interested to see him back with his beard. And uh, hopefully his kid recognizes him again. But uh, follow our <laughs> podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. Uh, anything specific you want us to cover or uh, you have anything that you want to tell us, reach us there. Subscribe to Hacks and Jacks uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts as well. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. And we'll see you next time.